0: she's passionate about the truth of God's word and will tell you like it is autumn miles is a best-selling author of three books popular speaker CEO wife of 16 years mom to four children not to mention everybody's best friend with fresh biblical insight she dares you to step out in raw faith
1: hey hey guys welcome back to the autumn miles show I am so excited About today, one of my favorite, 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 favorite voices in the uh, Christian world today will be on with us after the break. Her name is Lisa Turkhurst. We're going to be talking about her book, Forgiving What You Can't Forget. I want to get to my opening thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts. A lot has happened in the last couple of weeks. Um, I have so many things that I could say. I might fill it up with the whole show eventually, but there's one thing that is something I want to talk about. My husband and I uh, put up our Christmas stuff early every single year. And by saying early, I mean, probably before most of the rest of the world. Our decision to put it up as I make it public through my Insta stories and Facebook and, you know, social media and stuff like that has been widely criticized because this is the argument. Um, You're forgetting Thanksgiving. Uh, You're forgetting to be thankful. And this is what I would like to say to all you uh, Christmas decor putter upper shamers. We are not forgetting Thanksgiving, okay? We can still be very, very thankful on Thanksgiving as we are, but we are choosing to put up our Christmas decorations early, and no matter the pressure that we receive from people, we will continue to do that. It works well for our family, and uh, that's what we've decided to do when i started receiving these uh, messages from people that were distraught in some cases offended in others frustrated in others at us for putting up our christmas decorations up early i began to realize that we have an issue in our world today and this issue is we're starting to be way too concerned about small things and way less concerned about things that really matter. Have you noticed in the last uh, year, 10 years, five years, that people are starting to nitpick each other based on little tiny things that don't really matter. We're starting to almost eat each other about things like, what does it bother you if I put my Christmas stuff up? It doesn't, okay? It's not a thing. It's not like something to be offended about. Uh, we, we we aren't doing something crazy. Uh, and I started to think about the age-old saying, choose your battles. You know, when we look at Jesus throughout the scripture, he confronted things that actually mattered. I feel like we're so easy to confront things that don't matter That won't matter in the long run, but huge gaping things about, you know, character and truth and things like that. We almost overlook it's easier to confront someone on something that's never going to make a difference than something that actually is going to challenge change. And I, I just, I felt really compelled to talk to you guys about this today because this needs to stop. When you look at Jesus going to sit down with Zacchaeus, you know, he was a tax collector. He probably, you know, did a bunch of off color things, but Jesus was concerned with his soul. So we went and he had a conversation with Zacchaeus. He went to his house, he sat down, he had a, had dinner with them because he was concerned with his soul. We look at Jesus going um, to different groups of people, sitting down because he saw their soul, which was vitally important. And he wanted them to um, understand that he was the way, the truth and the life. I think, I, I don't know what's happened to our culture in these last few years where we've decided to pick people over little tiny things that don't really matter and forget that there are greater fights to be fought, that there are greater wars to be won that we should be addressing rather than these little things. So in your life today, um, I want you to sort of evaluate what you pick people apart over. Um, I want you to look at your life and, you know, if you're judging someone or looking down on someone and it's really because maybe a preference that you have, not like a character flaw or not a, like a sin in, in their life or something like that. You need to, we, we as a culture need to start getting over some of this stuff um listen i'm free it is america i i am living in a free country and um and so are you so i want you guys to sort of start evaluating some of these things that's really tearing people apart uh, about things that do not really matter those are my opening thoughts today it goes right in line with what we're going to talk about after the break which is forgiveness okay that's another big one that we need to start doing in our world today catch me back after the break
0: What do you do when you can relate more to Jezebel, Rahab, or Eve, rather than Esther or Mary? To her shock, author Autumn Miles discovered most of the heroes of the Bible were plagued with the same problem. They were ordinary people who sinned deeply, but God's love, mercy, and truth proved greater. In her book, I Am Rahab, Autumn provides a better understanding of God with a focus on the breadth of his reach to use and redeem all things for his purposes. You will find comfort in relating to Rahab the biblical harlot and to Autumn's own raw story of surviving domestic abuse and will be encouraged to know you are not alone in a life disrupted by bad choices, nor are you meant to stay there. You can move forward from your past and have an abundant future. To find out how you can get a copy of I Am Rahab, go to autumnmiles.com and click on the books tab. That's autumnmiles.com. Be sure to follow Autumn on all of your favorite social media platforms like Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles
1: you guys for coming back from the break you guys I am so excited um, to have one of my favorite I think I think she just has a, a, a voice that people sort of when she speaks people sort of lean in and listen to because it is always surrounded by so much wisdom by so much weight and and let me also say this by so much depth and biblical truth. Um, my guest today is none other than Lisa Turkhurst. You, she, she probably doesn't need me to read her whole bio because we've heard of her, we know of her work. Um, I will say, she's been on my show a couple of times, which I've loved every time that she's been on my show. The last show that she was on of mine was when she wrote her book, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. And I will definitely say, it's. Probably Probably one of my top 10 favorite shows of all time doing this for five years. It was one of my favorite shows. It was so good. I could feel the spirit of God just in the studio as we were recording. And she is here today to talk about almost not the sequel, but maybe the sequel. I don't know. We'll we'll let her say it for herself. Um, She is releasing a book, Forgiving What You Can't Forget. And I think this is such a right now word for um, just the world. There are so many of us that struggle with forgiveness and um, she hits it dead on in her new book. So I want to welcome to my show, Lisa Turkhurst. How are you, Lisa?
2: Great. Thank you so much for having me this morning.
1: I'm so glad that you're with us. So I loved your last book. Um, It's not supposed to be this way. I think um, you hit so many foundational truths write like, on what happens in your life when um something comes into your life that you didn't want that you didn't ask for um how do you navigate that and you really covered that in your in this last book but is is this kind of the sequel to that is this sort of um in addition to tell me about the heart behind forgiving what you can't forget
2: such a good question autumn you know i write about what i struggle with and um, I've written the past two books really knee-deep in my own experience of what I was walking through, but I think especially for this forgiveness book, it was important that I bring the appropriate amount of angst and understanding of people's deep pain, because when you write about forgiveness just saying the word forgiveness, people automatically attach it to some of the hardest things that they've ever walked through. Mm. So you can't really start by wagging your finger and saying you're supposed to forgive because that can feel like you're supposed to give an unfair gift to the person who hurt you. So I wanted to write it from my own deep understanding and appreciating and honoring people's pain and acknowledging that we've got to start with the pain. And so that's why this book was an important message for me to write next. It was a way to honor the the painful process of healing and acknowledge at the same time that forgiveness is actually more of a gift that God gives to the hurting heart so that it can heal more than an unfair gift that we have to give to the one who hurt us.
1: I love that. I think um, you you have, this is what I love probably more than anything that I've read about, about the book or, um, you know, the press release and all that kind of stuff is the authenticity that you speak about in the book. You, you have actually had to overcome, uh, this whole concept. Can you tell us a little bit about, uh, just your, what you have personally had to forgive for my listeners that don't know?
2: Well, from my childhood, you know, my dad walking away from our family um, was so painful. And that's a story that unfortunately a lot of us have, you know, that we've been we're carrying some kind of wounding from a parent or from a loved one who was supposed to care for us when we were young. I also had to forgive a grandfather figure in my life for some pretty extreme sexual abuse that you know, happened to me in some very young formative years that skewed so much of my thinking about who I am and what I'm worth. But the hardest thing by far that I had to forgive was, um, discovering that my husband was being unfaithful and that didn't just break my heart, Autumn, it shattered it. And I even spent a very long season, Wondering, is it even possible to heal from that?
1: Just some practical things. I feel like with infidelity or with, you know, your your parent leaving and with not, no real um, explanation or a friend, or even I'm thinking church hurt when you're hurt by someone in the church and you just, they're never going to ask for forgiveness. They're never going to um, come up to you. They might not even know that they hurt you. Where do you start um, with forgiveness? Uh, what is? Can you just give me a synopsis of what the Bible says? I know it's, it's very deep, but um, where do we even start with things that just seem like, I don't want to give them the gift of my forgiveness, you know, when you're struggling with it? I agree. So
2: here's an interesting fact, Autumn. I spent a thousand hours, over a thousand hours studying what the Bible says and what the Bible does not say about forgiveness. And if I can just be super honest with you, part of the reason that I spent so long, because I was looking for the loophole, I thought, surely God does not intend for us to forgive everything. Surely there are some exceptions here. And what I found when I got into God's word and really started studying it, and also through countless hours of therapy, sitting in front of my counselor, trying to wrestle through some of this, is you have to start with people's pain.
0: Mm. You have
2: to acknowledge the pain that they've been through. And one of the most profound things that happened to me is when my counselor told me that we should start working on forgiveness, I looked at him and I said, are you high? Are you crazy? (laughs) Like, no, if you said we need to talk about how I need to wash my hair today after going two weeks without washing my hair and using way too much dry shampoo, then yes, I would agree with you. But forgiveness? No, because at that point, I wasn't finished hurting yet. I didn't mm. know the story was going to turn out. I hadn't had that epic moment where the other person acknowledged that what they did was so terrible and so wrong. And and, and they certainly weren't vowing that they would never do it again. And so I just looked at him and was like, absolutely not. I cannot forgive because there's nothing pointing me in that direction. And the other person hasn't made choices that they need to make. Mm. And what I started to realize is, oh my gosh, I let that person hurt me. And now I'm letting them hijack my ability to heal Because I'm saying I can't move forward and heal without them making choices that they may never be willing to make. Mm. And what my counselor helped me see, and what the Bible helped me to see, is the only way to sever the source of suffering that was coming from this other person was through the power of forgiveness. And so, forgiveness is God's provision for the hurting heart to heal more than it is an unfair gift we give to the person who hurt us. And so my counselor looked at me and said, Lisa, let's don't start with forgiveness. Then let's start with your pain. And he handed me a stack of three by five cards. And he said, just write down all the ways that you've been hurt in this situation. And honestly, Autumn, I wrote so many cards. And I just was like pain after pain after pain. And I laid the cards out on my counselor's floor and this whole floor was covered with cards. And then I finally got to the last card. I wrote it and laid it down. And I looked at him and I said, do you see what's been done to me? And he did the best thing that anyone could possibly do. He looked at me. He said, I do. And Lisa, I believe you. Wow. And there was something so powerful, Autumn, about someone daring to bear witness to the pain that I was in and to hear him say, Lisa, this was wrong. It should not have happened to you. And so I want to do that for a listener today. I would imagine that you hear the word forgiveness and you cross your arms and you lean back and, hey, I get it. But I want to say to you, you deserve to stop suffering because of what another person has done to you. And if no one has dared to bear witness to your pain, I'll bear witness to your pain today. I'm so sorry for what happened. They should not have said what they said or did what they did or walked away the way that they did. But friend, truly, you deserve to stop suffering because of what this other person has done to you. And the only way to sever that source of suffering Is through the power of forgiveness Mm.
1: i feel like that why do we not talk about just simply acknowledging people's pain i think that that is so um insightful and almost revolutionary because it's it's almost um it validates why you need to forgive in the first place okay i see it's almost like i see you I understand. You're right. You were wronged. And that even that is freeing in and of itself for just someone to say, listen, I see you. I see you. Um, Why don't we do that more? That seems so simple. I
2: know, but you know what's so amazing, Autumn? It doesn't have to be the person who hurt us. Mm. It can just, it can be a counselor. It can be a friend. It could even just be a a person in your life that is willing to listen yeah what a gift that kind of person is, right?
1: Yeah. Oh my goodness. I want to talk about this. I found this fascinating in your notes. This is from your people. You did something so unique in this book. You talk about the blessings of bitterness. And I know bitterness is sort of re, a result of not forgiving. And I actually think a lot of people are walking around pretty bitter these days because forgiveness is its like an avalanche. Like, how do you even uh, get over it? Can you talk to me about this blessings of forgiveness? I, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Okay,
2: so when I wrote the blessings of bitterness, you know, I think it probably causes people to be like, what is that a typo? The blessings of bitterness. <laughs> and it's, it's not at all that I'm endorsing bitter feelings, but I do think it's important to acknowledge that people who are struggling with bitterness are not actually the people who have cold, hard hearts. Mm. It's people who have tender hearts that have thrown their arms open wide and embraced relationships with everything they have. But when you love deep, you have the propensity to get hurt deep. So, the blessing of bitterness is that bitterness isn't revealing that you have a lesser ability to have a beautiful relationship, it actually reveals. That you have the ability to connect and love and give from deep places in your heart. But when you were hurt, that sense of loss created an emptiness in your life. And bitterness came in and almost gave you this false sense that you were protecting yourself from getting hurt again. Mm -hmm. But friend, bitterness doesn't just want to be a feeling it wants to be your only feeling. It doesn't want to just come and visit you when you feel like you need to be protected. It wants to take over everything about you and leak out from you and then short circuit every other person that you dare to bump into or try to hold hands with.
1: I love that. And that you're so right, because if we you have to be hurt very deep to even approach the idea of, of bitterness. Otherwise, if you don't care, it doesn't really hurt. You know, if you're not super invested, it doesn't really hurt. I love that. I think I feel like we just freed someone today. I feel like you just freed someone today. What happened when you didn't whoever hurt you and you, you gave us several examples at the beginning of the show when they didn't ask? Um, I get this question a lot um, and I just think I want to, I want to sit on this for a while because I think this is vital to a lot of people, but they didn't ask or they don't care or they're kind of happy. They hurt you. What would you say to that person today that is waiting for someone to ask for it? And I know you talked about freedom, but I'd like to circle back around to that a little bit more.
2: Well, I think what you have to acknowledge first and foremost about that other person is if they're happy that they hurt you, or they're just never willing to acknowledge that what they did was so hurtful, that's an indication of brokenness in their heart. And you may never be able to have compassion on that person because look, I get it. It's really hard to look at someone who hurt you and have enough compassion to want to forgive them. Right? But if you know that they hurt you from a place of hurt, then maybe you can have compassion on some way that they were brutalized or rejected or devastated. And you, you say, well, I don't think they have that in their past. I mean, I, I know their story, they don't really have that in the past. Well, I'll say, how do you know someone who has been traumatized in their life? They're breathing. Mm. If a person is moving, they've been traumatized Yeah. And, and what we have to do is take a step back from personalizing everything that they've done to us, though it feels so personal, but we have to take a step back and say, this is an indication of unhealed trauma and pain in their life. I may not have compassion on the person, but I can have compassion on the fact that they are carrying unhealed pain. And when someone is carrying unhealed pain, unhealed hurt that sits too long in the human heart turns into versions of hate. And that person is an excruciating pain, whether they ever admit it or not. It doesn't make what they did right, but it does make me more aware that they're unhealthy or they're unhealed. And so it's okay for me to draw boundaries with that person and forgive them at the same time. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we think that forgiveness and reconciliation must go hand in hand, Yeah. but that is not true. And so I make a very big effort in the book to help you understand, if you draw boundaries in a relationship, that's not an unforgiving thing to do. You can forgive them, But be wise enough to not allow them free access to the emotions of your heart. Drawing a boundary with another person is not to shove them away. It's to help hold me together. And I think that's why Jesus, when he teaches, you know, forgive 70 times 7, Jesus isn't endorsing abuse. He's not saying stay close enough to that person to allow them to pummel you day after day after day and you just forgive them and then they keep hurting you. No, I think what Jesus is teaching us is you create enough emotional distance with that person to where you could forgive them 70 times seven and still remain a whole healthy person
1: why don't people talk about this more? I think people are so confused. Well, I forgive. I have to let them back in my life. I have to forgive and I immediately have to get everything back on track. This is such a huge question. Do I have to reconcile and forgive at the same time? Is it incumbent on me to do that? Um, I want to talk about this. When we choose to forgive, Um, And we, we have decided, you know what, I've seen their pain. Like you just said, I've seen it. I've seen that they hurt me out of a place of hurt. I totally understand that. How in the world do we start rebuilding trust? Because especially in a situation like a marriage situation, like you went through, How do you even start to put the trust blocks back on top of each other to build a wall that was oftentimes torn down in like one second? How does somebody practically do that?
2: Well, I think it's very important to acknowledge that forgiveness does not instantly rebuild trust. And I think that's where a lot of people say, okay, well, if I've forgiven that I can't ever bring up my pain again, but that has not been my experience in, in walking through what emotional healing is required of me now that I have reconciled with my husband, which I did not think our story would go in this direction, but forgiveness did not instantly rebuild trust at all. And forgiveness doesn't mean I can't ever still emotionally process what needs to be processed in order for me to walk forward. You see, trust is something that must be rebuilt time plus believable behavior. Mm. It's going to take a lot of time and it's going to take a whole string of trust, but verify, trust, but verify. And You know, that's going to require some really hard conversations and how I knew that my husband was at a safe enough place for me to even dare to take this journey with him was when instead of when I would say like, I'm triggered, I'm afraid, why are you looking at your phone right now? Can I look at your phone? Instead of him blowing up and saying this again, why aren't you healed? Like, are you kidding me? Like here, look at my phone. If he acted and reacted like that, It would destroy my trust all over again. Mm. And maybe he wasn't even doing anything, but what that communicates, that defensiveness was part of the journey when he was very unhealthy. Instead, now I'll say, I'm afraid. I need to look at your phone. And he says to me now, of course you are.
1: Mm. That
2: is so understandable that you would need to look at my phone what else do you need do you need to talk about this or do you need to sit quietly do you need me to hold you or do you need me to give you some space do we need to process or do we need to just acknowledge that this is one of those moments but carry on and the gentle humble way that he responds over in that gentle way over a long period of time handing me his phone letting me verify that things are okay that has slowly started to rebuild the trust in our relationship but autumn i'll be honest it is a devastatingly hard and long process and we are still so knee-deep in that process
1: yeah i love the time plus believable behavior um that that does sound like it's something that anyone can do especially if you're in a marriage situation um, but it also sounds at the same time like it will be a long haul. You're in it for the long haul, and you're both sort of committed to it. Um, we're running out of time, but I really liked this from the notes. When your reaction is hysterical, it's historical. I just want to hear about that because that, that seemed um, pretty interesting to me. Can you explain that a little bit?
2: Absolutely. So, Autumn, have you ever had a situation where someone says something to you and you back up and you're like, no, you didn't? And then you have this way out of proportion reaction to the piece at hand. Yeah. So, the reason for that is in that moment where you've kind of getting out that anger, getting out that anxiety and it, it teeters over into more of a hysterical, not hysterical like ha-ha funny, but hysterical as in way too much emotion for this situation. That's where you've gone into your past, you've located some kind of unhealed trauma or hurt or pain that's gone unhealed, and you bring the emotion of that into this situation. So it's not just you know this guy in front of you saying something stupid that hurt your feelings, it's also the pain of what the five guys from high school to college to in your 20s, that they said those things and all that unhealed pain collides in this moment. And so it's really important when we have these like crazed responses and we think, wow, that was too much emotion. What we typically do is say, ah, something's wrong with me. Like it's my hormones, or I'm (laughs) crazy, or I've just got all these emotional issues. No, what you have is unhealed pain. And it's important to see that as a warning light and go back into your past and dig around and collect some of those experiences of hurt and pain and trauma and how it made you feel and connect the dots to this present moment so that we can correct some of these shame scripts that we are telling ourselves, like, I must be crazy or I'm just stupid or no one's ever loved me or no one's ever going to truly be trustworthy. You know, we have these shame scripts that we say that that compound the pain of today because of unhealed hurt from our past.
1: I think that is so good because it's almost like you do. I mean, I even know I've been married for 16 years. I, you know, just going through life. Um, there'll be something that we disagree on and I'll over, overreact. And I'm like, that was really very dramatic. Like, where did that even come from? But realizing that there is pain that, you know, you have to go back to and you have to fix and you have to forgive and identify with is, um, wow, is going to bring freedom in so many different areas and so many different people's lives. Lisa, I could talk to you all day. I am so thankful for you just being gracious to sit with me and have a conversation. Um, I really truly believe that this is going to be, I think it's going to be even better than it's not supposed to be this way. I just feel like so many people struggle with unforgiveness. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
2: Well, thank you. It's an honor and joy every time I get to be with you. You do an amazing amazing job at really tapping into the questions that people have. So, thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. God bless you. You have an awesome day. You too, friend. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Lisa. I personally um enjoyed it so much. I know that There are so many times in our lives when, um, things happen and, uh, no one asks us for forgiveness and we're just kind of left carrying this burden of hurt. And I personally just believe that this book will set you free. I've already looked at a lot of it. I told Lisa before we started recording that, um, I'm actually going to read the whole book. I think it's so important. I want the Lord to examine my heart. You know, I don't want to live perpetually in a state of hurt and I certainly don't want to let it lead to bitterness. And, um, listen, I want to live a life of freedom. And forgiveness is a big key to that. So I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Lisa. She was amazing. As always, go pick up Lisa Turkhurst's new book, Forgiving What You Can't Forget. I'll see you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. There you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. While you're online, you can find out how to order Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer. Our prayer is that this book will lead you to an intentional and passionate prayer life that is in sync with the heart of God. Go to autumnmiles.com to order your copy today. As we close, remember that you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Autumn Miles Show.